So Matthew chapter 7, we are coming towards the end of this message given by Jesus. Oh, wow, already? This seems like, uh, it, it seems like then this is probably the last Sunday as we close this message. Oh, no, 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 we'll be closing the message for the next two months or so. Probably the rest of the summer we'll be closing this message. Um, but I want you to know that this message is coming to a close. And so Jesus is going to reiterate some points and he's going to have emphasis and we really need to be paying attention you don't want to get to the end of his message and be like ah that's great it's just i don't want to listen to this point i've already heard it no no we need to listen funny story i was studying and i thought okay we're going to do matthew chapter 7 verses 12 13 and 14 three verses we can handle it right and I was mostly going to focus on verse 13 and 14. It talks about two types of gates, a narrow gate and a wide gate. And I was like, okay, we're going to focus on that. And I said, what about verse 12? Well, verse 12 kind of is a summary verse. And so I'll just um, throw that in at the beginning. I'll mention it for about five minutes in the message. And then we'll get into the narrow gate and the wide gate. And so hours and hours of study and an entire message on the wide gate and the narrow gate. And then verse 12 was still staring at me at the top of my document with not very many notes underneath it. And I was like, that's okay. It's going to be, you know, just five minutes. Just talk about, you know, the golden rule. And God said to me, no. (laughs) So then I moved the wide gate and narrow gate study to next week. We'll talk about that next Sunday. And the Lord just had me focus on verse number 12. And so let's read it and then we'll pray and then we'll talk about it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus said, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. It's known as the golden rule. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, your word is before us. We stand at one verse here. Yet these are words that we can hear in our world, even in a secular environment. I pray that as we look at these words, we would get the understanding from the person who said it and that we would have the right context for what that verse means. And then with that knowledge, we wouldn't just go, great, I know it, that we would apply and we would, we would put it to practice in each of our lives. I thank you that every word and every scripture is valuable for us and we can learn from them, including this one. Holy Spirit, I'm inadequate to do this. I ask for your power to accomplish the work of the Lord this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It is one message. These three chapters are one message. They're not meant to be broken up, subdivided, and then taken, and they don't operate in a vacuum. So as we look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The sermon that we've been hearing these last couple um, chapters invites the listener to to get a definition of what righteousness really is. You know, as you you look through Matthew and you go, okay, well, let let me go back real quick to Matthew chapter 5 and let me look at some of those things there. Oh, okay, we're talking about being salt and light. We talked about the Beatitudes there, poor in spirit, 
the first thing you have to do is you have to be bankrupt before God. In other words, you have to realize that you are bankrupt before God. Wow, that was Jesus' opening line in verse 2 of chapter 5 of Matthew. Or verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the people who realize how bankrupt they actually are, for theirs is God's kingdom. What a way to start a message. We are still in that same message. And so this whole time, Jesus is not redefining the Old Testament. He's showing us what the Old Testament really means. And so the idea, some people thought, oh, righteousness, it means you do a lot of right things. Jesus is saying you can't do right things. You need God. Oh, that's why the commandments are there. The commandments aren't there so that you can do the commandments. The commandments are there to show you that you cannot do, you cannot successfully fulfill all the commandments. You can't. Well, I, then, then I need help. There you go. That was the whole point. That was the whole point. So for this whole message, Jesus is again showing us the true righteousness comes from us depending upon God, not self-righteousness. And it's not just about the words. It's about you living your life in that way. Again, to refresh our memory, Matthew five seventeen, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus is not here to destroy the Old Testament. Jesus does not think the Old Testament is worthless or old. Remember, the Bible of Jesus is the Old Testament. That's the Bible Jesus used. Didn't have the New Testament. The Old Testament is important. And so, the verse that we just read, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, that verse is often paraphrased, you know? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And I've heard that paraphrase, and I'm sure I've said that sometime in my life, right? But the thing about that, that paraphrase of Matthew 7, verse 12, the verse we just read, is that even skeptics, non-Christians, even atheists can say that. Hey, you should do unto others as you, know, as you would have done unto you. Okay, so the problem though is it's misunderstood. Why? Because usually you'll hear that statement, the do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, but you don't get any of the rest of Jesus' sermon mentioned. You only get one verse cherry-picked out of a message to then make your like mantra for your whole life. How about the verses before and the verses after? You do have your Bibles open at Matthew 7. Just look at the two verses after the golden rule, right? How can we never quote these ones? How can you never hear this quoted? Jesus speaking, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Funny we don't, that you don't hear that tagged on right after, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. See, there's a danger with taking Scripture out of context. And so as we're teaching through and as we're looking at the Word of God here, we realize that that golden rule does not stand by itself. It is connected to this whole message that Jesus has. There are some that um, they base all their Christian theology, and they may or may not be Christians, but they base all of what they say their Christian theology is on the golden rule. As if that's the only thing that God has given us. As if Matthew 7, 12 is the only inspired verse that God has ever given us in all of human history. Because it's the one that they've memorized or paraphrased, and they don't know a whole lot else. And so they try to apply that to every single thing without context. Jim, are you saying the golden rule is invaluable? No, it's very valuable when it's in context. It's very dangerous when it's out of context. 
So we want to keep it in the correct context. We should study all of God's word and it will bring balance to our walk with him. Warren Wiersbe commented on this passage of scripture. You'll see this quote here from his commentary. It says, this great truth is a principle that ought to govern our attitudes towards others. Yes, it's a great principle and it should govern our attitude. It only applies to, check it out, believers. That's who Jesus is talking to here. He is not talking to non-believers. This is a message to believers. This only applies to believers and it must be practiced in every area of life. You can't just golden rule one area of life, but not the other area of life. It's for the Christian and it's for all areas of life. The person who practices a golden rule refuses to say or do anything that would harm himself or others. If our judging of others is not governed by this principle, we will become proud and critical and our own spiritual character will degenerate. See, you can use the words of Jesus, but if you take them out of context and you use them improperly, it could be to your downfall. And here's the thing. You're deluded to think you're right, but you're applying it incorrectly. And so you're wrong. You know, the... um, this idea there, like the person who practices the golden rule refuses to say or do anything that would harm himself or others. Well, some will go, may say, well, I, well, then I don't want to tell this truthful statement to somebody because it may be harmful for them. It may hurt their feelings. No, that's not what it's talking about. It would harm them if you didn't tell them the truth because you're lying to them. When you say, oh, I don't want to tell them because it would harm them, translate that to reality. I don't want to be uncomfortable, so I'd rather not say anything. But yet we would just, some would just go, I'll just golden rule that and just go, well, I want to do unto them and I wouldn't want to hurt their feet. I wouldn't want my feelings hurt, so I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's not based on what you and I think right or wrong is. It's based on what Jesus has been teaching for the last two chapters of what right and wrong is. So when you go golden rule and some will just go, well, do I care if people ignore me? I don't really care that much, so I guess it's okay if I ignore other people. You know what you just did? You made yourself the standard. You are not the standard. Jesus has been setting the standard for the last two chapters. So based on what Jesus says, you do what he has told you to do. And it may make you uncomfortable. You may have to speak the truth to somebody and you're just going, oh, this may be challenging in my friendship. This may be challenging in my relationship. Can I find a way out of it? Golden rule. I wouldn't want to hurt their feelings, so I won't want my feelings hurt, so I'm not going to mention it. You've just justified it, but you're totally wrong in how you did it. See, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, and that's why we want to read this sermon in its entirety. This is some versions of the golden rule, and they've totally warped it, that I've, hear, I've heard in the world. Here it is. Do unto others before they do it to you. Right? Do unto others before they do it to you. Get, get in there first before they get to you. Or here's the other one. I'm sure you've heard of this one. He who has the gold rules. Again, those two have nothing to do with the passage we're talking about. But it's kind of like, oh, I'll just take a play on words and kind of, it's neither cute nor beneficial. Those are both destructive ways to live your life. My wife mentioned this morning, uh, she said, uh, or last night, she said this, um, she wrote it down in her Bible or in her notes, do unto others as though you were the others. And I was like, I've married a wise woman. (laughs) I'm like... I'm like, how do you say that? She goes, why are you asking me? Because I'm going to quote you tomorrow. So thank you. (laughs) But this idea of, okay, um, this golden rule. Okay, it's a New Testament thing. See, that's why I like the New Testament because the New Testament has all the nice stuff and it's Jesus and he's just so nice. The Old Testament is a harsh God. Not true. 
You haven't read it then because let's go back to Leviticus. Let's go back to the Old Testament and see if we can't find the golden rule back there too. Leviticus 19 verse 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Oh, See, God is the same yesterday, today, and for Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's character has not changed. So if you see something about God in the New Testament, realize it's the same God in the Old Testament. So this idea of what Jesus is saying, he's not here to destroy the Old Testament or the law or the prophets. He's here to fulfill them. He's restating it. Now, you have to ask yourself this question. Do you in your life want to be shown respect, kindness? Do you want to be blessed? And people are going to go, yes. Now, maybe you're a person that's like, well, no, I don't deserve it. Or you put yourself down. Okay, well, that's where you have to look at the golden rule in light of what Jesus thinks about you, not what you think about yourself. Because if you use the golden rule on how you feel, then you will basically want everybody else to do things the way that you think. That's not it. You're loving people and doing things for others based on God's standard. So, if you want to be shown respect, kindness, and blessing, if you think that's something God would want, that you would be shown respect, kindness, and blessing, well then, I think we are called to show it first. Acts 20, verse 35. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Hey, if you're fulfilling the golden rule, then you are giving of yourself. You are giving of your time and your resources. Why? Because you would want that in return. You, would, you know that God would want that in return to show the blessing and the respect and the love. So you know what you do? I'll do it first. And you show it. Um, in Matthew chapter 22... Again, the ongoing joke. We'll get there in a couple years. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. Look at these verses on the screen here. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, Jesus said to this lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend or hang all the law and the prophets. So the golden rule is there in the second greatest commandment too. Now, here's the thing about the person who um, scenario, this is a real scenario that happened where uh, somebody asked me what I do for a living. Eventually the conversation gets to that. If we talk long enough, that's kind of a common conversation point, right? What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Oh, and then comes any number of very interesting responses from people. It's always entertaining. It's always entertaining, right? You never know what you're going to get. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, praise the Lord, I'm a believer too. And other times it's, hmm. And it's like, no more conversation. It's like, okay then, well. Uh, but uh, there was a few, in a few times this has actually happened. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Oh, well, I live by the golden rule. And I'm thinking, I didn't ask you. You seem awfully guilty. Like, somebody tells you their occupation and then you tell them you follow the golden rule? Guilty much? Because I didn't ask. And I'm not here to make that a more awkward situation. I didn't have these words in my mind at that point. But, you know, the interesting thing is, well, I believe in the golden rule. Yeah, well, if we look on the list of, com- of commandments, then that would be number two. There's a more important one, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, 
soul and strength. And so the idea of, wait a second, you follow the golden rule. Great. You, you follow the number two one, right? Do you follow the number one? See, and we live in a culture that likes to, um, they, they like to take the scriptures and even try to secularize it. I can do all things, dot, dot, dot. No, that's not the verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be careful. We live in a culture that wants to secularize God's word. How? By taking God out of it. And so it sounds Christianese just enough, but it actually does not speak of God. I believe in the golden rule. Do you believe in God and his son, Jesus? Well, let's not get too crazy now. Okay, then why would you say you believe in the golden rule, which was spoken by God, Jesus, the son? Think about that. Why would somebody go, I really believe in the golden rule. Do you know who said that? It was the same guy who said there's only one way to God, Jesus. You believe in him too? No, I don't believe in him, but I believe in what he said. You sound confused. Church, we should not be confused. And we should also understand the golden rule is not the greatest commandment. There is one greater. Okay, so now that we've kind of looked at all of those things there, I want to encourage you to practice this. Because when you practice it, it releases the love of God in your life. And it enables you to, to love others and help others. Because you look at them, not by what you would want them to do for you, but you go, what would God want for this person? Well, what does God want for me? Well, God wants to bless me. He wants to love me. He wants, to, he wants me to know that I'm not alone. He wants to provide for me. He wants to... And you start to think about all the things God wants to do for you. And then you know what the golden rule tells you? You should be doing that for other people. Oh, yeah, that's what it's about. Now, this will sometimes come up, and you may hear this, this criticism of Jesus and what he says here in Matthew 7, 12. Um, you'll get critics those that are maybe secular humanists, and they will try to explain away this golden rule. And they'll go, it's not unique. It's not unique at all. Because it's a common ethic that's shared in all the religions of the world. But here's the truth. That is not true. We're going to look at a few world religions, and we'll look at what their rule verse is, the one that is most similar to this golden rule we see. So, up on the screen here, let's look at a couple other religions and see what they say. Confucianism. Here's a quote. Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. Sounds really close. Okay. Hinduism. This is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. Okay. Again, very similarities, right? Buddhism. Hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Next Sunday, we will talk about, are there many ways to get to God? We're going to talk about that next Sunday when we talk about the narrow and wide. But for this, I think you can understand why people, when they look, they go, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. No, it's not. It's not. This is not saying the same thing. Thing. In fact, these statements are known as the silver rules. Whoa, they're not as good as gold? No, they aren't as good as Jesus. No, they are not. Why are they called the silver rules? I want you to observe something at these here, and I want you to look back at your Bible at Matthew seven twelve, and I want you to think critically about what you're looking at here. There are differences between what Jesus says in Matthew seven twelve and these three statements from these three world religions. 
In Matthew 7, 12, my ESV, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And you can look and go, well, it doesn't say law and prophets, maybe that's it. No, that's not it. Because these right here are all stated in the negative. Do you catch that? Do not do, do not do, hurt not others. These are all phrases in the negative. Jesus is a phrase in the positive. These are all statements that are passive. Passive? Here's what I mean. You wait until somebody does something towards you and you don't retaliate that way. You don't do anything. You wait for them. In other words, your response on whether you're going to hurt others or not, you know, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Well, wait a second. I'm going to wait and see how what hurtful is before I respond. Jesus, it's not passive, it's active. It's both Positive and active is what Jesus says. What do you mean active? Jesus very clearly says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Jesus is saying, don't you wait for anybody else. You go do that right thing. These are passive and in the negative. There is a difference. But if somebody looks very quickly and is not critical about what they're looking, they'll go, it's about the same thing. It's not the same thing. It is not the same thing thing okay so these are some of them these are some of those religions here and then the idea came well wait a second jesus just basically took these phrases and then he flipped it around made it a positive and made it an active but he did it well after these were written you know you look at these texts here for confucianism hinduism buddhism these are all written between four five and four hundred bc five and four hundred bc well, okay, Jesus speaking here in Matthew, we're in the early ADs at this point. All right, so see, these guys said it like 500 years before and Jesus just plagiarized. These are arguments that you'll hear. Except the part, part where, um, except the part where, do you remember the, the verse we read in Leviticus? The book of Le- Leviticus was written in 1500 BC. In other words, it was written 1,000 to 900 years before these were written. So if we're going to say that somebody plagiarized from somebody else, I think we just look at the dates. The book of Leviticus was written almost a thousand years before these statements were made. Because God is the originator of that golden rule. It's his heart. Now, I do want to mention Islam for sure, because Islam has a similar passage and you'll see it right here. It says, None of you truly believes until he wishes for his brother what he wishes for himself. Okay. That's a statement in the positive. And then a person can look and go, all right. Well, that's a statement in the positive. You see, Islam, Christianity, it's basically the same thing. The words may be the same, but then you just start looking. If you remember Easter's message, you look at the founders. Let's look at the founders and see how the founders lived out the words. See, This one here, none of you truly believes until he wishes for his brother what he wishes for himself. It says his brother. In other words, this statement is all about those that believe the same way that you do. Jesus' statement is not limited to you treating just the believer that way. Jesus' statement is you treat everyone that way. Christianity and Islam are not the same. They are very different. In fact, this idea of the golden rule, you know, 
when it comes to Islam, that, gr- that verse looks wonderful until you ask the question, hey, by the way, does this apply to your enemy? And the answer would be no, by their own text. And by Christianity and our own text, the answer is, yes, it does even apply to our enemy. You don't believe me? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, on the screen here, Jesus speaking, he's in the sermon. This was earlier in the sermon. You have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, the founder of Christianity says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Christianity and Islam are not the same. You look at the founders and you look at the words and you look at the history. Proverbs 25, verse 21. Okay, well, let's go Old Testament. Does the Old Testament talk about loving your enemy? Yes, it does. Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. You won't find a verse like that in the writings of Islam. Because your enemy in Islam is your enemy. For Christians, here's what we remember, is every human being is made in the image of God. Every human being, Christian and non-Christian. We are called to love every image bearer of God, which is every human being in the world. Christianity stands alone and it is unique. Um, I was going to give you another Old Testament example of this love that's being shown, but I think, I think we're good right there for now. No, no, we got time. Pastor's going fast. Sweet. All right. No, let's, give you, let's do this. I, I'm, I'm shocking myself at how we're cruising along here. Okay, 2 Kings, Old Testament. Um, the king of Israel, they had captured a bunch of Syrians. And this is 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 21 and 22. Let's look at how these prisoners are treated. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? Notice the repetition. Should I kill him? Should I kill him? Should I kill him? Should I kill him? Wow, bloodthirsty king. Relax. Verse 22, Elisha, he answered, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? They're already captive. Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master, that they may return back. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master and the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Huh, the kindness that was shown to the enemy changed their heart. Interesting. It's interesting. Oh, by the way, that's Old Testament. I want you to see how the Old Testament and the New Testament are interconnected. And Jesus is the bridge between the Old and the New Testament. They are not separate. It is the Word of God, the whole thing. So, this is going to be great then. Here's what we're all going to do. When we're done with service, we're just going to go out and we're going to go ahead and follow the words of Jesus here and we're going to fulfill the golden rule. We're just going to preemptively, before anybody says anything, we're just going to show kindness to other people. The world will secularize that and just be like, show acts of kindness. That's, that's great, but you know what it takes out? It takes out Jesus and it takes out God. The reason why we would show kindness is because immeasurable, infinite kindness has been shown to you and I first by a man coming, living, and dying. He was innocent and he died for you and I. And because of his kindness that was shown to us, we can show kindness to everyone, even our enemies. See, motivation is important. And we can never forget, Christian, where our motivation comes from. It comes from Jesus. The world will want to strip Jesus out of the statement. And then you're just left with, show acts of kindness. Well, (laughs) 
What's that kindness based on? Who's the standard for kindness? For some people, standard of kindness, it's, well, we'll just kill that person. I think it's kind, and therefore, I'm going to do it. No, our standard for what right and wrong is comes from a higher authority. It comes from God. All right, so Christians, how should we do this? We should just do this, and everything's going to work out well. Everybody will um, just, um, they'll treat us in the same way, right? We'll love people, and then they'll just instantly love us back. That's how it really works, right? Every single time. You know, sometimes you apply this golden rule principle and you just go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a conversation with that person that's really quiet or shy or withdrawn or really angry or always has a scowl on their face. And so you go and you have a conversation and maybe you expect, I'm going to have this conversation, I'll smile, how you doing? And it's like, you're like, all right, well, all right. And then you walk away and go, the golden rule didn't work. No, here's the thing. Everybody gets a choice on how they act. Jesus is saying you act regardless of how they act. You love them regardless of whether they reflect it back to you or not. See, Christianity is different. You're not doing it to get a response from them. You're doing it because you're responding to what Jesus did for you first. That way, because Jesus did everything for you already, he already died for you on the cross, Christian, you can love people and expect nothing in return. It would be nice, I admit, I'm right there with you. It would be absolutely nice if it was reflected back to us, right? You show kindness and then at some time they show kindness back. That would be wonderful, but it doesn't always work that way because each person gets a choice as to how they respond. I just want you and I to know this, that when we show kindness and love to others, we don't do it with a hook. I'm going to love you with a hook. What do you mean? Well, you do something nice for somebody and there's slack in the line, but at some point in the future, I'm going to pull the line in. I'm going to need a favor back. Do acts of kindness to to other people in the name of Jesus. Love them and care for them and respect them, expecting nothing in return. You can respect somebody and they can cuss you to your face. And you know what? You've accomplished the golden rule. You've done your part. Okay, well, I'm done then. I don't ever have to do that again. Oh, no, no, no. You continue. You got breath in your lungs. You keep going. You don't stop. Christians live life differently and it makes the world scratch their heads and they're like, what do you get out of this? And it's, Here's the answer. It's what I've already gotten out of it. I have a relationship with God. I already have it. I need nothing more from anyone else. So I'm free to love people. I'm not obligated to love people. It's awesome. So Romans 12, 16, 17, and 18. I like you in the front row. Okay, Romans 12, 16, 17, and 18. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Oh, look at me. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, even my enemies. Yep. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As much as it depends on you to be peaceful with other people, you do it. But they're not peaceful back. That's not your standard. It's not what Jesus said. That is not the golden rule. Let's look at a few more verses right after this one in Romans 12, 19 through 21. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says says the Lord. God has freed you up to not have to take revenge ever in your life, ever in your life. You can just love people. They hurt me. They've wounded me. No doubt. No one's calling you a liar on that. But here's the thing. Jesus is freeing you from having to retaliate. You don't. You don't. 
And Jesus, um, uh, Paul says here, excuse me, in verse 20 of Romans 12, to the contrary, and look what he quotes here. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. I wonder where they're getting that quotation from. It might be the Old Testament. The Bible is connected. Remember, the Old Testament is the Bible of Jesus. The Old Testament is also the Bible of Paul. And Paul's quoting. And now, in verse 21, look at this. This is so incredible to me right here. By you showing that love of the golden rule to other people, it'll change you. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You change, and it, overcoming evil, that means you will have victory over evil. How? By loving people without expecting anything in return. It does something in the spiritual realm when you love people expecting nothing in return. The enemy hates it. He's always like, ask for something back. You know, they haven't, re- re- they haven't returned the favor. Were you looking for them to return the favor? Because if you were, then you went into it with the wrong heart. You went into it going, well, I expect some, some reciprocity. I expect something to come back in the same way that I gave it. That would be nice, but it doesn't always work that way. This is what allows you to love your family, even when your family can be so unloving at times. For members of your family that may have deeply wounded you and there's these scars that run deep in your family, Christian, I want to tell you, Jesus frees you with the golden rule and the Sermon on the Mount, this message here, he frees you to just love people, even your own family. And they may not change, but you don't have to be captive to that anymore. You can just love them freely. And then without the expectation of them loving you back, you're still free to love. I would encourage you to not be a captive to waiting for other people to reflect love back to you. You just love. And remember, you can love people freely because Jesus first loved you. Um, here's the other thing about loving, loving people and, and, and using this golden rule is that if you love other people, it's a mark that you are a Christian. When you love freely, it shows this world that you are a Christian. You don't have to say it You don't have to carry a Bible around with you everywhere you go to prove that you're a Christian. You love people freely and you will stand out in this world because this world is always throwing hooks out. They expect something in return when they give something. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. And you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The mark of a Christian is that they love people. Which people? All people. All people. You know, when you, if, you have, if you get stuck, I know, I'm thinking about that last point. If you get stuck on how people mistreat you even after you've shown love to them and it makes you want to quit on following the words of Jesus in this golden rule here, I want to encourage you to follow the greatest example, Jesus himself. He loved everyone and was he loved back by everyone? They crucified him. So don't you be surprised that when you love people, did some love Jesus? Of course some love Jesus, yes. But did everybody love Jesus? No. So then why would we, his followers, expect that everybody would love us when we shall love? It's not realistic. And it's not what we see even in our Savior. So at that point, we just go, okay, I'm going to look in the scriptures and go, when Jesus showed love and people didn't show love back to him, he hated them. Where's that verse? Where's that verse? That verse doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And we, his followers, are to follow his example. You love people and you just keep loving. And it doesn't matter how they treat you. And that, there's something beautiful about being free from what somebody else thinks of you. 
or how somebody else treats you. Hey, they treat you that way. It stings for a moment. Let's not lie here. Let's not just go, oh yeah, they just said something horrible. They cussed at me. They, they demeaned me. They insulted me. They, of course it feels horrible, but here's the thing. It doesn't have to scar you. It doesn't have to scar you because, and it doesn't limit you at all from loving them again. It doesn't. It really doesn't. How many times did Jesus love people over and again and again and they rejected him and they rejected him, but he kept loving them all the way to the cross. Church, I want you to, to know this too, and this is, this is important. Pastor's not going to lengthen this message. He's actually going to end early. Here it is. Please, please listen carefully. If you don't love other people, you don't love God. Amen. Kind of a bold statement you're making there. Yeah, good thing I can back it up with scripture. Here it is. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen with his eyes, cannot love God whom he has not seen. That makes sense to me. That makes logical sense to me. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Oh, good. That's just Christians. You remember, who's my neighbor? And the parable that was taught about the neighbor. Maybe in your heart, you have somehow subdivided and sectioned it off where there's certain people where you're like, absolutely, the, the, the golden rule applies. I will love them with my whole heart. My family, my friends, people that I like, people that like me. They're all definitely in that category. Yeah, let's not talk about them. Those are the easy ones. Let's talk about everybody else. It's about everybody else. Could you imagine how... Um, Could you imagine how Humboldt County would be if everyone followed the second greatest commandment? The one about loving others as they would want to be loved. And again, the standard being God. Could you imagine how our community would be different? If people said, I'm not going to do that thing that's harmful for somebody else. I'm not going to do that thing that destroys family. I'm not going to do that thing that's going to, even as things as casuals, I'm not going to cut off this person. I'm not going to insult that person. I'm not, could you imagine if people actually followed these words? What a community we would live in. Could you imagine if our state or our country was like that? Do you realize how few rules and laws we would need on the books? If we could have the second greatest commandment and people would follow it, how amazing would that be? How about this? What if we had the first and the second together? I wonder how many of the rules on the books it would cover. It would cover every one of them. Every one of them. But yet, because we as a secular world, decide, you know what? We're going to reject God. You know what we need? We need a lot of rules and a lot of laws. And last time I checked, they keep increasing, not decreasing. If only we would go to the top two. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Church, we can give our community a glimpse of what that is. How? By you starting. By, by me starting. And we don't stop. You don't stop. What do I get tired? When you get tired, you just keep, you ask God for strength and you keep loving people. You don't stop. And I challenge you to look and see if there would be a change if you do those things. I believe that there will be a change. If, if just this group of people loves others unconditionally the way God loved us, I think it'll have a change in our community. And I think if every Christian here in Humboldt County did that, I think it'd have a change in our county. But you and I can't control everyone else. The only person we have choice with is us. Choose well, church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you not only had the words written, but you had the words lived out by your precious Son. 
I thank you that he showed us what it is to love other people. I thank you for his example of loving Judas, loving the thieves on the cross, loving the Romans who whipped him, loving Pontius Pilate and Barabbas, loving every single person that rejected him, loving them all, all the way to the cross. I thank you that our faith is not a theoretical faith. It is an actual, practical, and real faith. It works in the real world. I pray that we would use it and that we would apply it. Lord, that we would not be afraid to love people. That we would just love freely and that we would keep loving. God, increase our capacity to love other people. And Lord, help us to love those that we are challenged to show love to. Lord, use us to be your example in this world. God, I pray that you change our county for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.